Welcome to Call the Binge Wife. Have you experienced an episode of your life where you find it hard to decide? We all go through seasons where it just seems we cannot find what we're looking for, eventually spiralling out of control while doom scrolling a menu with far too many options. That's when you need Call the Binge Wife. Ruth and Roger have emptied their bladders, grabbed their favourite snacks and spent countless hours watching TV to help you figure out what to skip and what to binge. So sit back, relax and call the binge wife. Now, here are your hosts, Ruth and Roger. Thanks, Andrew. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Call the Binge Wife. I'm Roger. And I'm Ruth. And Ruth, what show are we going to talk about binging today? We are talking about Wednesday. Okay, Wednesday, part of the Adams Family franchise. It has one season. It dropped on November 23rd, 2022. It's rated TV-14. Where to watch is, of course, Netflix. It has eight episodes. It's a fantasy horror genre. Uh, Production staff of note, Tim Burton is executive producer and part-time director. He didn't direct all the episodes, but he directed some. Cast of note is Jenna Ortega, who plays Wednesday Adams. Catherine Zeta-Jones plays Morticia Adams, her mother. Louise Guzman plays Gomez Adams, her father, and other cast notes are Christina Ricci and Fred Armisen of Saturday Night Live. Uh, Rotten Tomato scores, critics have it at 72, uh, which seems extremely low, but 72, and the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes was 86. It has no awards as of today. So, Ruth, tell us about the show. Okay, so the show is about... Wednesday. Wednesday, of course, gets kicked out of public school for avenging her bullied brother, and her parents enroll her in their alma mater, which is Nevermore Academy, a place for outcasts. And she navigates living with her new roommate, finding her place in school activities and clubs, headmaster rules, her emerging psychic abilities, romance, a secret society, a murder mystery involving a monster on the loose that may or may not relate to the history of the town and school and it involved her parents 25 years ago. And speaking of parents, teen angst and trying to get out from behind her mom's shadow as well. Oh, and she's writing a novel and is pretty badass on the cello to boot. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> a lot going on. Yeah, for sure. There's eight episodes, I think I said. Yeah, eight episodes. Yes. Uh-huh. They jam-packed their they're longer. They're 45 minutes to an hour each. So they did pack a lot into this. So why we watched, uh, we had it on our list when it first came out. And then December happened with all the holiday stuff going on. We put it off and Went back to my hometown to visit family, and on our way back, we got stuck in Chicago for five days, uh, which was an adventure in all of itself. But we were going to try to attempt to uh, pair one of our devices to the TV so that we could get on Netflix and watch it as a way to pass some time. But that did not happen. That was uh, a struggle, to say the least, to pair the devices. And so we weren't able to watch any of it. And so when we finally got back home, it was the first on our list to binge. One of the things we're going to do each episode is we're going to share three positive things and one negative, uh, which can sometimes seem to be a little bit hard to do, but but we're going to try and attempt to do that to be as positive as possible. People put in their hard work to 
make these shows. And so we want to be as fair as possible. So Ruth, what was one thing that you were felt positive about the show or you enjoyed? The first thing that I want to mention is the music and soundtrack. I loved it. I loved this, the mix of music, um, painted black by the Rolling Stones, Edie Piaf singing about no regrets and Wednesday playing on her cello, the cello music, just the mix of everything was uh, really made the show even better for me. Yeah, I have some opinions on that, which I'm going to hold on to. Uh, but, but, I do feel, yes. but I do feel like I agree with you that there, you know, the paint of black on the cello was outstanding. Uh, one, of yeah. my favorite, one of my favorite songs anyways, and I love hearing covers on cello so that one that's right she did that one on the cello i thought it was both but it was just her on the cello is that right i i can't remember i'm pretty sure i know that she did paint it black and that yes that was pretty cool that was really cool yep i agree with that okay so roger what was your first positive thing about Uh, the show yeah i really enjoy louise uh guzman as Gomez Adams for a couple of different reasons. I, I've always enjoyed his work for sure as an actor, but for me, Luis Guzman, there's been a lot of talk about how he's not that good looking and that, and that mm-hmm. uh, Gomez should be the suave debonair person to attract someone like Morticia as his wife. I thought that too. Yeah. But when you look back originally, the show, it wasn't the show that was the original Adams Family. It was a cartoon in the New Yorker mm-hmm. was the original adaptation or original subject matter that you can go back to. And in the cartoon, Gomez is not an attractive guy. He is short and dumpy and, and is not necessarily <laughs> that attractive. So I appreciated the fact that they were true to the source material, uh, maybe not true to the movies or to the TV, the original TV show, but definitely the cartoon. They were they they hit it dead on. So I was excited about that. Well, that's awesome. I that helped me a lot when you explained it and then show me showed me an image from the cartoon. Mm-hmm. That was that was cool. Yeah. So what's your next thing that you enjoyed or positive about the show? Okay, so my next thing is Jenna, Jenna Ortega, who played um, Mm. Wednesday. I thought she was so great, and just her expressions, the way she carried herself was great. And and I say that as someone, I we talked about this, Roger, but I I never really saw any of the original show. I've a little bit, Mm -hmm. a few few episodes maybe. So I don't have a lot of background experience, but I I do know just from my experience that I loved her performance. Yeah, she really did do a great job, hands down, for me, one of the best Wednesdays. Yeah, we we also you and I also talked about how you can really look at all the the different movies, TV shows, this show, and really see Wednesday in different age ranges. Right. In the original show, she was six or seven in the movies. She was 11, 12. And in this one, she's more of a full fledged teenager. So I I think if you look at it from that perspective, that she did a great job of bringing all the teen angst, like you said, in the synopsis that was needed uh, for this show to to be successful. Mm, Definitely. Okay. So what is your next one? Yeah. For me, as someone that loves fantasy and I'm not a big horror fan, but I, I do like enjoy fantasy and those kind of genres. And so for me, the the kids' supernatural abilities did not define them. 
at some level they defined them because it broke them down into different groups, which is very high school. <laughs> we, we segregate ourselves out and find a tribe and all those kind of things. But besides Enid's character, Wednesday's roommate, who hasn't yet, her powers didn't fully develop until later on in the series. And she struggled with that. Besides her, everybody's powers are secondary to their motivations, their drives, all that. It doesn't drive them like in other teeny angsty sci-fi fantasy where the powers really define them. I felt like with the kids in this show that the that their, their abilities, their supernatural abilities were a side note to them actually having problems and struggles and, and issues, which I thought was a nice change. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have noticed that until you said it. So I think that's great. Or not having watched a lot of teen angsty shows, some, <laughs> but, but yeah. I thought that was refreshing to gather yeah, people first and going through very relatable things. So what's your what's your final third positive thing? Okay, so that you just talked about it is Emma Sinclair as Enid, um, Wednesday's roommate. I thought it just her portrayal of that character was was really great in seeing their contrast, like her bright clothes, colors, the vibrancy, the half of their room, <laughs> and um, just the contrast, but also how their relationship developed. And I won't give any spoilers, but um, it was really cool to see that progress and then the end how that turned out in the end um but i just thought their dynamic together was really powerful throughout the the series or first season yeah the, there was that tension that, that yes. was caused by the two different styles you could always see that there was this tension but at the same time it was lessening and lessening on both sides too yeah on both sides i mean sometimes it just doesn't work out with a roommate right or you just no. <laughs> don't come become friends which we won't share again like you know, it's, just, <laughs> it's um up and down ups and downs for sure oh and i will say too i know there was a lot of talk online about them becoming romantically interested and i thought it was interesting a friend of mine mentioned how enid's sweater was the colors of the lesbian flag and so some people saw that and were like oh they're gonna get together this was the pre-show so Mm -hmm. i just think that that's interesting i know we talked about that a little bit about you know female characters or or gender, no matter what gender characters having friendships mm-hmm. um, that aren't romantic, but also we like to see portrayals of different types. Or I, I know I do too. You know, we like diverse portrayals of romantic interests that aren't always heterosexual. So that was that was interesting. I think enough note. Yeah, and uh, when we talked about it, I communicated that there were some people that were trying to say that Captain America and Bucky, the winter soldier were romantically connected and how that was really frustrating to me because as a male, I, as much as I want to see diversity and inclusion in Hollywood, I also want to see men having genuine loving relationships. And, And so when someone takes that and then assigns something that isn't to me, isn't there, Right. Uh, it's at least not in the story or in the context of the story. That that gets a little frustrating because it's like, why can't two dudes just love each other for being two dudes that are, you know, have been 
essentially brothers through war and through all this stuff. And it's just like, can't that, can you just let that be? Because that's, it's also important for our society to see women getting along. We're going to, people should, should yes. listen to the Ted Lasso episode that we're doing this, this season, you know, and I'm sure that what's going to come up is that the women aren't catty with one another. They're not, they're not biting at each other and they're not yes. trying to crawl over each other, you know, and that's, that's a great thing to see represented on tv so it's like can't they just have a a relationship that doesn't have to be sexual in nature you know that just people can be good and love each other and and cheer each other yes i think that's yeah there's kind of um there's a, a mix there or like i appreciate what you're saying about captain america and Becky, like, especially for men, there's a to- toxic mm-hmm. masculinity. So that friendship is important. I think with women, yeah, you're right. Like competing against each other. I think you see more female friendships. Don't you think in general in TV that who aren't pitted against each other? But that is also really common. Or at I, least think, I think that's newer. I think that's a, I think that's mm-hmm. a newer phenomenon in TV. I think what we've typically seen, you know, if you go back 15, 20 years was that women you know, competed heavily against one each other. And that was a predominant theme. I think we're seeing more of, of, hey, let's support one another. And I think that's important representation just as much as, you know, seeing uh, couples uh, of same sex be uh, on the screen too. I think for me, it's equally important. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so what is your your last positive that you want to share about the show? Yeah, I have real mixed uh, feelings about Tim Burton <laughs> as a creator. Uh, you know, Beetlejuice was absolutely one of my favorite movies. And there's a lot of craziness uh, in the artistic style in in that movie. And I think it works. And, but there have been other movies of his that I'm just like, oh, gosh, can you... Yeah, can you move away from the bulgy eyes and the you know and the crazy stop motion and, and all that kind of stuff? So, I was pleasantly surprised that this is not as Burtonish, if that's a word, like <laughs> yeah. he is, uh, as some of his other stuff. I was happy about that. There's some, and it's it's a little bit, and people can you know find that wherever they want to in in the movie. But but I was glad. Uh, so if people, my and the only reason I say this all is because if people aren't huge fans of Tim Burton's that I don't want them to be turned off by that, uh, that Tim Burton's directing and executive producer that I think they should still watch. So as someone that has mixed feelings about Tim Burton, I would say, don't let that hold you back. Oh yeah. I also have mixed feelings about Tim Burton and there are some, uh, would you say googly eyes, big eyes? (laughs) One, (laughs) one set, one set of googly eyes. (laughs) Right. I was like, oh, yeah, that 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 translates, I think. But yeah, only one set. And I think it helped keep it light, too. Like it was just enough to, like, keep those scenes light. Well, that's all I'll say. And so I. Yeah, that's true. Of Taking it down the strict horror route. You know, when you see the googly eyes, it's kind of like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So what is something that you didn't like or kind of frustrated you about the show? Okay, so you were just mentioning Tim Burton. So I know there have been some comments about Tim Burton and being racist and not thoughtful about the portrayals of his characters over the years. And to be honest, I haven't done a lot of research on that. But it was helpful for me to take a look and notice that um, all the Black actors in the show, or many, 
not all perhaps, which we've, we've kind of talked about, um, they're villains or portrayed as villains. So was Bianca is kind of a villain or competing um, one of the students against Wednesday and then the mayor's son, although he tries to redeem himself a little bit, Lucas, and then the mayor himself is the owner of Pilgrim, is it Pilgrim World, which is just, whoa, too too much like <laughs> like anti or the colon colonist viewpoint and just everything you know so it's like okay I can see what some of the people were talking about and I'm just trying to build my awareness overall so I I think that was not as that was not positive that's something to you know as as white people to be aware of I think you know as we're watching things and something is just in the water, right? We don't, yeah. I don't notice always until I, I hear someone else talking about it or take a second glance. Yeah. I don't want to go way down a rabbit hole here, but, but, it, and I don't want to give spoilers either, but yeah, but I think the outcome for those characters is different than the beginning. That's all I'll say. And the people that the people that are typically white wind up being some of the worst predators in the in the storyline so i i get it the initial feeling is that wait a minute why do the, all the you know characters of color have to be the bad guys here in the beginning was a little frustrating for sure yes yeah and i mean there are positive casting a latina in the main role that was that was a real positive too but yeah just just noticing those things okay how about you what was what was something a little bit <laughs> negative for you well, my, mine's a mine's a lot more personal. <laughs> uh, I was not happy with the amount of popularity that the song "Gugumuk" by the Cramps um, was was garnished over the month of December and, and January when the song came out. You know, Instagram and TikTok were full of people dancing her dance to to Gugumuk, and uh, this has happened a couple times with Netflix shows. Uh, maybe it's because the people that are doing them are from that era you know the people that are in charge mm-hmm. the showrunners uh, but i just want to make everyone aware that that song was not popular <laughs> in 1981 when it came out it was not on the radio maybe on it may have been on the dr demento show <laughs> oh wow see i have no <laughs> yeah. idea what you're well, talking it's, about it's all you'll goofy. find that yeah. roger knows way more about tv than we, yeah <laughs> well it, it was a radio show and it just had like goofy songs like the witch doctor and you know all those uh, to the oh doctor. it was a radio show yeah, too. yeah yeah okay so so it had like goofy songs on this radio show and gugu muck probably made the dr demento show but nobody else in top 40 or <laughs> was playing that song and as a as a, a grizzled old punk rocker you know it's like why are all these kids running around you know <laughs> taking yeah. over my music and you know and even with uh stranger things and the kate bush song you yeah. know that was never on the radio that was never popular it was just like so i'm I'm glad people are discovering 80s music i guess but at the same time i just want people to know that stuff was not popular and if you listen to that stuff you were treated poorly you know i mean <laughs> i remember you were so you were like this this would not play over the speakers at what did you say in the cafeteria? Or yeah, the... yeah, yeah. It was not in the jukebox in my middle school cafeteria. That's for sure. Yeah, mine <laughs> either. It was definitely not. 
and it would have been like, what is that? It was more like Michael Jackson or whatever was yeah. Madonna was popular yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So, so it's a little curmudgeon of me, you know, <laughs> to say get off my lawn with my with my music. <laughs> but that was that song getting popular was was a little heart heart wrenching for me. So uh, I'll learn to live with it. Yeah. Well, I did you. You were saying though you liked the rest of the soundtrack we were talking about. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I, do, I do. I you know I think the they did a really good job of using the music to enhance what was going on. There's a lot of classical guitar, the cello, and you know, yeah, and they've the done guitar. that. Yeah, uh-huh. and, and Netflix has done that. Bridgerton's done a really yes. good job of taking popular music from today and putting it into a style that fits uh, the show. And so uh, I like that. I like that. Oh yeah, and it's not like at Bridgerton. I was thinking this is hilarious, or it's like um, it's not elevator music. Like they somehow do it, yeah. <laughs> do it justice, right? Or yeah, some of that's like okay, you know uh, this. Uh, was weird when you and i were watching bridgerton we actually turned off the i turned off the subtitles because i wanted to try to guess which song it was before before it showed up in the subtitles what is the song what is Uh so i enjoyed that as well with wednesday i thought it was good so we're to the skip it or binge it portion of the show and so this is us letting you all know what we think and i would say binge it it's fun uh, it's enjoyable if you have any connection to uh, the Adams family stuff. They do a really good job of doing some uh, Easter eggs or nods uh, to the show. The previous iterations of the Adams family, I think they do a really good job of giving some homage uh, to that. So for me, that was fun. I think it's a it's an easy watch. I think it's an easy watch. And uh, yeah, I think it's fun and people should binge it. How about you, Ruth? Okay, so I also think it's totally fun. And even if you don't have very much context or connection with the previous Adams Family stuff, the movies or the show, you can still totally enjoy it and get into it without needing that context. I mean, I'm sure it's in the it's in our culture enough that I knew who Morticia, you know, you know the characters, you know who they are. Oh, and I loved how Hand was in the is that a spoiler no thing? anyway oh thing not here <laughs> <laughs> oh we're keeping that no the, the yeah the thing right see without knowing that much about it you can still really enjoy it and then it makes me want to go back and watch some of the original shows cool. um so yes binge it awesome so what are some of the other shows we're binging this season Ruth? We are binging The Bear. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, Ted Lasso seasons one and two, getting yep. ready for season three. Cannot wait. And um, what else? Andor. Thank you. I'm like, <laughs> there's so many great things. Andor. Yeah, Andor's coming up too. We, I, oh, wow. Yeah. So many different kinds of shows, but fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to the season and uh, doing this with you. It's a lot of fun. We encourage everyone to, if you find something with this show that you enjoy, that you will uh, subscribe, follow, like, whatever your service provider lets you do, and leave a rating. Uh, It's one of the best ways folks can support us and get the show out there to more people. So please do those things if you find something you like here and we will catch you on the next episode of the show.
Yes, thank you so much. If you can't figure out the ratings, which it took me a little while, let me know. I can help you. Yeah. If you want to connect with us, you can on Instagram at call underscore the underscore binge wife. And if people want to suggest Ruth, where would they suggest shows for us to watch? Just shoot us an email at callthebingewife at gmail.com. <laughs>